Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 430 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this is our short topics episode where you find out about news in the world of amateur radio and open source and things that blend the two together in the Linux in the Hamshack way that we do every other week in short topics. Anyway, let's go ahead and tell you who we have tonight. We have the usual cast of characters. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And I have not had nearly enough to drink, so I'm going to work on that while Bill skips over the lead topic we don't have and jumps right into (laughs) amateur radio and hits this first one real quick. And you know what? It's still COVID. Still COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The news is out. Uh, COVID is still here, has not left. It's possibly here to stay, but we'll see. But yeah, this is the uh, Jarl Ham, uh, you know, Japan Amateur Radio League. <laughs> Jarl, Jarl, uh, Ham Fair 2021 canceled. Uh, posted on their homepage, uh, which I might say is only missing some blinking text to be from the 90s. Uh, the Jarl Ham Fair 2021 scheduled on October 2nd. Saturday and the third Sunday has been canceled due to COVID-19. We hope to see you all again at Hamfair 2022. Sad news. Yeah. From Tokyo. Yeah. So I did look at the website straight off of GeoCities. Yeah. So. I was going to say GeoCities, but like, if it had <laughs> blinking text or scrolling text, I would be like, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it had lots of like bright colored stuff and anime looking things and Japanese characters and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it is what it is. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people that have no clue what GeoCities is. <laughs> I know. Sort well, of. Well, go look at the Jarl right? website and you'll know what GeoCities is. <laughs> yeah, there you is. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How true. All right. Very good. So, yep, a short one. And yes, COVID is still affecting in-person events as the time moves on and we slog through COVID-ness. So next we have a story about AMSAT. AMSAT 2021 Symposium and Annual Meeting changes to a virtual event. Hmm, I wonder why that could be. Due to the lingering (laughs) effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, wow. Shocker. (laughs) <laughs> AMSAT has announced that its 39th Space Symposium, scheduled for October 29th, 31st, 2021. You know, it's going to be not too long before these AMSAT folks can have these meetings in space because, you know, with Blue Origin and SpaceX and all that stuff going on, I mean, they're, they're sending civilians into space already. I, I yeah, wonder when well. AMSAT 2026 <laughs> is going to be in orbit. <laughs> so A little expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. 
Uh, the symposium was originally planned to be held at the Crown Plaza Air Hotel in Bloomington, Minnesota. AMSAT President Robert Bankston, KE4AL, explained, quote, Our membership has voiced its concern over the continued presence of the COVID-19 pandemic and the risks associated with long-distance travel and attendance at large group gatherings. In the interest of everyone's comfort and safety, we have made the difficult decision to return to a virtual meeting platform. If there is any good news in this, we know that last year's virtual symposium event was well-received and that we have the opportunity to repeat its success this year. The dates for the virtual symposium will remain the same as was originally announced. The schedule will be reviewed by symposium organizers and adjusted as needed to accommodate the virtual setting. Persons who have already registered for the symposium will automatically receive refunds in the days ahead. Please watch for further announcements as they become available. Questions regarding the symposium should be addressed to info at amsat.com. And as you might expect, this story came from AMSAT. Amazing. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Cheryl's over there, I know, and she can read this next short one. And then I'm sure Bill will opine after she gets done. So <laughs> I just heard you just have Bill do it. But well, okay. I'm going to have you do it just so you can get a short you know, quick one out of the way and then, oh, and then okay. let Bill ramble on at length about it. So, Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. So our next topic is Jamboree on the Air, or otherwise known as Joda, is the largest scouting event in the world. It's held annually the third full weekend in October, which is the 15th through the 17th this year. Joda uses amateur radio to link scouts and hams around the world, around the nation, and in your own community. This jamboree requires no travel other than to a nearby amateur radio operator's ham shack. Many times you can find the hams will come to you by setting up a station at your scout camporee or at the park down the block or perhaps at a ham shack already set up at your council's camp. And here comes Bill with all of his information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been slow going getting all this jamboree on the air and jamboree on the internet information out because well, we all know uh, the same thing that affects all the topics above this one in the show notes is affecting, you know, uh, the, the people that actually do the organization of all these events. Uh, we did finally get the, the 2021 uh, patch is out and available for ordering uh, over at the scout shop. So that's really cool. And uh, that they were able to throw that together and, and get that out and made and, um, I think I, I think I already ordered some, so I like to have some from the event, even if I don't participate, <laughs> just cause they're kind of cool to have. Yeah. And the registration link just opened up last week. Uh, Joda Jody dot info. That's J O T A J O T I dot info. It's the, uh, world uh, organization of scout scout. Yeah. Wasm world organization of the scouting movement, <laughs> the international arm of scouting. Uh, they're the ones that organize this event. It's an international event. It's not just a USA event or anything else like that. Um, so they recommend you register there. Uh, you can also get any of the digital assets uh, that you need for, um, you know, if you do some of the Internet stuff as well. They're going to have uh, on Scout Link, they're going to have Minecraft again. Uh, they have the virtual, uh, I believe they have the virtual... Uh, I'm going to go over there right now because I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's see. What are they going to have this year? Uh, uh, they're going to have virtual stuff. That's how it's going to be. Um, and, yeah, if you run a, uh, a station uh, for your scouts, you know, just be mindful of local local um, COVID regulations and, and everything else. So, you know, everyone should be safe. 
and you should have a safe event. So don't put yourself in a situation that uh, would make you not safe <laughs> for it. Um, so yeah, uh, expect it probably mainly online. Uh, and uh, hey, there might be some stations that are going virtual this year that will share their stations across Zoom or uh, Google Meets and stuff like that. So um, you can bring people into the shack and uh, in a virtual manner and not have to uh, have a bunch of you know kids that are not vaccinated near you because uh, if, you, if you've been paying attention to your schools, <laughs> I think my daughter gets contact traced uh, like two times a week since she started, <laughs> but, she, <laughs> but she hasn't got it. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's affecting everything. So, uh, you know, just, just be mindful of that when you're planning your event, if you already have your small bubbles and whatever else for your uh, troops and stuff like that, it's a good time to, if you're already getting the troop together, go ahead and throw a station in there and participate in the event. And then, uh, they have, like I say, ton, tons of resources. There'll be more information coming out as uh, as it gets closer. We are about a month away. Yeah, yeah, basically just a month away right now, and um, I expect everything to kind of, kind of, uh, kind of come out. You know, of uh, of their Jota Jody group. Uh, like right now, if you click the internet link, it doesn't even show anything. <laughs> So, but I know they always, they always have, uh, always have Minecraft. So if you want to join a crazy, crazy, uh, scouting Minecraft server and you're into that, it might be a good time to do that with your scout. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's coming up. Uh, might talk about it again, probably a week out, maybe two weeks out. We'll see. Um, as more information comes in. All right. Very good. Lots of good information there about Joda and Jody and a month to prepare to get online or on the air with all those scouts. So very cool. Well, that's the end of our amateur radio specific topics tonight. So let's move on to Linux and open sourcey kinds of things. And the first thing we have is an update to open SSL because vulnerability, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) The open SSL software foundation today released a completely refreshed version of the software open SSL that handles much of the encrypted communications for the internet. The latest version 3.0 Adds compliance with the Federal Information Processing Standards, FIPS, deprecates with the plans to remove a slew of low-level API functions that could, that could cases security issues. I, I'm assuming could, cause. Yeah, <laughs> cause. I, I cut and paste this. <laughs> security issues and has added much more testing. You know, it's not me going blind this time either. It's, yeah, it's no. actually the wrong word. And has added much more testing to the development process. Reducing the number of low-level API functions means reducing the number of ways that developers could misuse or mistakenly use those functions, says Chris Eng, chief research officer at application security firm Vericode. The major version upgrade, quote, includes a number of architectural changes that will help developers reduce attack surface while still retaining the functionality that they may have come to rely on, unquote adding that deprecating the low-level API functions will, quote, discourage developers from tweaking the internals of individual cryptographic algorithms and steering them toward high-level APIs that are less prone to developer error, unquote. And that came from Dark Reading. Ooh. Yeah. Totally new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. New sources. Always good to find new sources. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. So up, make sure to update your open SSL because pretty much all your SSH traffic and everything else you do encrypted on the internet uses open SSL in one way or another. Updates coming your way. All right, Bill, we have more updates. That's right. This is Linux 5.15. 
a great kernel release for AMD and Apple M1. So yeah, this is the uh, release candidate one has already been uh, pushed out. The Linux kernel is its development begins and in a, sorry, I'm going to have to read this again. Linux, the Linux kernel 5.15, its development begins. <laughs> okay. This is worse than the other one. And in the time of its final version will arrive. Um, which basically means it's coming soon. Uh, and what can already be seen from the code contributions, it will be a huge leap that will especially benefit users with the AMD Zen CPUs, as well as the Apple M1 SoC. Uh, so you can see some of the updates in the Realtek Wi-Fi drivers and the file systems, such as the NTFS provided by developer Paragon software for the main branch of the Linux kernel, optimizations for XFS, EXT4, F2FS, ButterFS, as well as other improvements and fixes and better support for Apple's M1. Uh, but this all falls short for what's moving around AMD and Linux kernel 5.15. So yeah, AMD is getting a lot of buffing here in the, uh, in the old kernel here. Uh, for the desktop, the Ryzen processor, they're getting uh, an audio driver fusion for Van Gogh APU. Changes and fixes in the S2 idle codes for AMD for suspend and resume modes, because, you know, it doesn't suspend or resume properly. <laughs> <laughs> Temperature monitoring support for the AMD uh, Zen 3 APUs, uh, as well as for the yellow CARP uh, APUs. These will arrive with uh, the Ryzen 6000 series. Uh, C3 management optimized for AMD CPUs, which will improve power in idle state. So that's all good stuff for the server. Uh, the EPYC, the... Uh, nobody cares about servers, right? Blah, blah, blah. The AMD KVM now supports five-tier paging to handle higher memory capacities. Yay. Get uh, 400 terabytes up there for memory or something, right? Uh, for graphics, <laughs> for graphics, uh, the, for the Radeon, uh, new IDs have been added for the uh, RDNA 2-based uh, GPU upgrades. The AMD Science Skillfish support for the APU design with Navi that has yet to be released. AMD GPU now leverages VKMS to enhance its virtual display code. So that means they're going to work a little bit better. Um, power management fixes for the AMD GPU controller, HDMI FreeSync, uh, PCI Express link handling, and others. So gamers are going to be happy, 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 happy. <laughs> and, of course, this came from Linux Addicts. So, yeah, it's coming. All right. Very good. And that's it. For Linux and open source specific topics, now we're going to blend the Linux and amateur radio worlds together and talk to you about Linux in the Hamshack. And we have a couple of interesting things here to uh, finish out the topics for this evening. The first one is I have a quick addendum to episode number 428. This had to do with our discussion toward the end of the episode where we were talking about whitelisting entries and things like that, where it turns out that WinLink tends to block all traffic unless you specifically allow it. And it does give you a way to whitelist users and things like that. But we had an email follow-up that I actually received via WinLink, so that's cool. And uh, I didn't have to whitelist that entry for it to come in, and it was all about how to get a message delivered via WinLink without having a whitelist set up. And uh, when we get to the next Deep Dive episode, I'll, of course, get to the feedback I think the call sign was like W3DC or WD3C or something like that. Uh, but we'll definitely get to the full reading of the feedback in the next Deep Dive episode, <clears throat> which, if you're listening to this, will be the next episode. But uh, whitelist, of course, you can set up using the web interface for WinLink, but there's a subject line shortcoding you can use to get your messages 
to show up in someone's inbox. And what you have to do is you have to start your subject line with forward slash, forward slash, all uppercase, WL2K, space, a special priority code, and then a trailing forward slash. And uh, they have ways to do like priority priority messages, regular messages. So if you want to send a regular message to a WinLink user that hasn't whitelisted you, you start the message subject line with slash slash WL2K space R slash and then the subject. And that will tell the system that you're sending a regular priority mail to a user who hasn't whitelisted you, and it will send them a message saying, you've got a message, do you want to accept it? And then they have the option of saying, yes, I would like to accept it, or no, I would not like to accept it. And then they can read your email or whatever, and then they can adjust their whitelist as necessary going forward, but you have successfully delivered a message to someone who hasn't whitelisted you. So there you go. And uh, one other thing I learned after the episode, there is a functionality called aliases in the PAT HTTP and presumably in the PAT CLI as well. And in the configuration file, there's a section in the JSON for aliases. And what you do is you put PAT style or WinLink style, rather, URLs in there. And then they show up in the PAT HTTP or PAT CLI as just a predefined station. So I created stations with certain call signs on certain bands and set the uh, URL to what it's supposed to be. And then you just have an alias. So you don't have to find the stations every time you want to look them up. If you haven't been on 40 meters, you can have these aliases set. And if you want to know how to code the URLs, if you are in PAT HTTP, for example, and you bring up the RMS list and you click on a station, it will show you the URL for that station, including the frequency and everything. And then all you have to do is cut and paste that into the config file and then restart programming and it will show up in there. So that makes trying to find all the stations you are actually able to make RF connections with WinLink easy to find and you don't have to go searching for them every time. And then we talked a little bit about the ability for it to fail over um, from one station type to another and then eventually fall back to Telnet connectivity if you want to do that. Apparently, that's a function of PAT menu. And that's that's something you can set up and say, like, I want to group these three methods of connecting together and then it will go from one to the next to the next until one actually succeeds. But I don't think that's like default functionality. And I was messing around with both Pat Menu and Pat Menu 2, but they're very Raspberry Pi specific, and I was having a hard time getting them to work. I had to change a lot of like hard-linked code and stuff in it, and still still couldn't get it to do what I want. So there's a video on YouTube by Camp4ACK, and I think a couple others out there that sort of walk you through Pat Menu, but they're, they're really Pi-centric. So uh, I don't know if there's any other way to do this sort of... Um, method failover or station failover uh, but that was one way i did find so that was all i had as an addendum i'm sure there will be more updates about patent winlink as as time goes on and i find out more about it but i have been able to successfully send and receive messages um, several times since that episode both with the uh, telnet network connectivity and via rf it works it's uh you know just not super intuitive and i've been doing everything with rdop I have, I have not yet successfully made a packet connection. Something I may work on in the future, but it's not working right now. 
direwolf and ax25 hate me or something <laughs> <laughs> and the only other thing i had was just a quick reference to something we will probably do a deep dive on or at least flesh out a topic more in depth in a later episode but there's a new logger that i found out about called ham rs and it's hammers it does, hammers yeah <laughs> I'm just going to go with Ham RS or Hammer. Yeah, Hammers. That's right. We're supposed to do that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't read the acronym. So Hammers, yeah. And Hammers. it's supposed to be a contest logger. I guess you could use it for general purpose logging. It's not open source that I can see. I didn't dig around that much. It's released as an app image and also has a download for Windows and Mac OS. There's also a 32-bit version for Linux, and there's a build for Pi. And it uh, it bills itself as a lightweight, easy-to-use contest logger. It also has special um, logbooks set up for things like Soda and Poda and stuff like that. So, so you can log those things. I think it said there was even an Android version. Yeah, there's an Android and an iOS version. And an iOS version, right. So I believe the iOS version costs money, though. Okay. <clears throat> Just because, you know, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a tax you pay to have an Apple device. Right. It, it looks good. It has a nice, clean interface. It, I mean, the app image worked fine on my Ubuntu system, no problems at all. I didn't try the Windows or Mac OS versions yet, but I assume they work just the same. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to get through. Not a lot of configuration. It kind of handholds you through everything, setting up logbooks and stuff like that. So, um, we'll, pr- we'll talk more about this in a future episode. Did you have something else to say about it? Yeah. I was just going to say I did download it and, uh, I was first turned off because it said Ubuntu and I'm like, ah, okay. Well, whatever. They got a dub or something there. <clears throat> but yeah, the, it is an app image. So you can run it on any system that is capable of running app images, which is almost all of them. <laughs> So they should probably take that descriptor from Ubuntu and just say Linux. Linux, right? And and that would probably be sufficient enough because uh, we all we all know this in the, in our world of Linuxy stuff. Yeah, and it looks like it supports uh, just like a generic logbook. Parks on the air, summits on the air, field day, and winter field day. Right now, it does not support rig control, so don't expect this to be something that you're going to plug into your rig and use this every day. Um, it's really meant to be a portable logger. Um, kind of a special use case logger where you don't really care about it being, you know, tethered to the rig or anything else like that. It is nice. It does have, uh, uh, does keep the frequency, like when you type it in uh, for the next contact. So it doesn't wipe out the fields. I know some loggers that I've tried out in the past kind of cleared all the fields out every time you did a contact, which kind of made them useless because <laughs> if you're actually doing a run or something like that, it's not very useful. Um, it does have the ability to connect up to like, you know, QRZ and, um, uh, ham log, but it does fail back to hamdb.org that, uh, the free one. And, uh, we'll look up call signs for you if you're connected to the internet. So it is, uh, it's pretty slick. It's clean. Um, definitely web, web UI driven for sure. Um, so I'm not sure how it's encapsulated. I haven't broke apart the app image to take a look at the insides, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it looks, it looks pretty clean and sharp and, uh, has like a little, uh, little mapper thing too. So you can, your contacts can all be mapped for your log so you can kind of see them and they'll draw a line from your station and stuff like that. So, so yeah, yeah, pretty good. Uh, they're looking for feedback and, uh, Hey, this is the first bit of feedback. It looks good. remove ubuntu change it to linux and uh, the world will be all right again yep and then release it as open source not just as an app image and then it'll even be writer 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a license file in there and everything else. <laughs> Put it on on the Jit hubs. Yep, absolutely. All right, like I said, we may follow up on that, or that may be all that needs to be talked about, but go look for Hammers. The link, of course, to the application will be in the show notes, or at least the webpage where you can download the application for all those mobile platforms and your PC running whatever OS you happen to be running. doesn't apparently support, like, OS 2 or Haiku or anything like that, but, you know, the major stuff. So, um, yeah, check out Hammers, H-A-M-R-S. And Bill is going to tell you about some YouTubes stuff. Yeah, the YouTubes. So, yeah, I just uh, I just went through uh, episode three uh, just to review what I did record before I ran into uh, um, the deep dive on QSS TV and uh, audio handling, <laughs> which, uh, which I, of course, I found out didn't work <clears throat> very, uh, very well. I, I was able to to sort of get it to work, but uh, I don't consider that a, a complete solution. Um, but I'm, I'm really chalking it up to it's. It just needs some updating. The software itself, the 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 software, kind of is meh, <laughs> not so great. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and just wrap that episode up from there, and uh, probably publish that in the next day or two. So expect that'll be out, and then uh, yeah, who knows? We're going to see where we're going to go on episode four from there. All right, very good. I still have not had an opportunity to check out the first two that you released with the updates for Fedora 34, but I'm definitely going to do that at some point. But you We're know, getting thumbs ups, you know, thumbs yeah, ups, cool. Click, click the subscribe button and mash the thumbs up button if you like it, <laughs> and click on the bell so you get notified when there's new videos. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the hell accent that was, but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah whatever uh we are getting quite a bit of views on it so that's good uh, a lot of traction on it um i mean not a lot of views but you know it's gonna be a while for it can catch up to the ubuntu series so uh but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep on plugging at it and uh we'll probably get a little more creative in episode four maybe we'll do some compiling of something so <clears throat> be on the lookout all right, fantastic. Well, you know what? That actually brings us down to the end of the topics for tonight. So that was pretty much all the content we had for episode number 430, but we definitely have some other stuff we want to do before we get out of here. And the first thing we're going to do is talk about the social media roundup. We are going to let you know who's joined us on all the social media platforms out there. And I put it out in the tweet for the last couple of episodes that we've done. If anybody out there is using Telegram, we have linked Discord to Telegram. If you look for a Telegram server called Linux in the Hamshack, if you just happen to be a Telegram user, you can link to it there and sign up, and then it will connect you in with the Discord chat, the, the general chat. So it's, it's just for those people who use Telegram, I, I see people like signing up with Telegram almost every day. Uh, I get notifications of that. So, so people are using it. And if that's one of the platforms you want to use, especially if it's, you know, on a mobile device or something, you can connect with Linux and the Hamshack on our Discord server using Telegram. Just wanted to put that out there. So who has joined us or who is participating and, uh, financially supporting us this week? Well, this week, our list of Patreons are Bryce Johnston, David Scarf, David Slaughter, Jim Lawson, Patrick Ang, Douglas Schock, Eric Guth, Brandon Rosick, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, 
Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Castalis, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Erb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For subscriptions, we have Paul Mooney, Chris DeLuca, Andy Cowley, Eric, excuse me, Eric Muller, Carl Backus, Isaac Gear, Thomas Foy, Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Pewter, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. Nobody joined us on Facebook this week. On Twitter, we had at Iron Mill Radio, at F4FLO underscore Jerome, at Patty Casher, and at at, at Jack Debye. On YouTube, we had Peter Edript, Scott Haley, Mark Codwell, Rod W7ZRC, and C. Birchfield, or Field. On Discord, we had KJ5T, KI5QLY, Nathan, and Matt MC. Nobody joined us on the mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales this week. Yeah, and I noticed something that I thought had happened and I went back to check and sure enough, there was someone who signed up on Patreon in August and we have not mentioned them yet. Which is Gary Tibbetts. Yes. I just yes. threw that in there. So yes, I see that now. Yeah. My, my text was moving around. I could figure out what was going on, but now I see that. So. Yep. Sorry, Gary, that it took so long to get the mention in from back in mid, mid August, I think. Um, I don't know why you didn't show up in the list before now, but, now you're there so thank you <laughs> all right that brings us down to the end of the social media roundup so that only leaves us with the folks who are with us live in the chat tonight who are listening to the episode as we were recording it and contributing their peanut galleryness to the whole affair we had john k1btz tony k4xss don kc9zmy ted wa0eir thanks guys for being here we appreciate you and with that I guess. Oh, and Don KB2YSI just decided to pop up and say, oh, yeah, I'm here, too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's not forget him. And uh, I'm going to put you in the list right now. KB2YSI. Okay. So you're there. And thanks, everybody who supports the show, everybody who just downloads and listens. Make sure to send us feedback if you have any. Info at LHSpodcast.info or 909-547-7469. We love feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope you tune in to the next episode, which will be a deep dive on something. As soon as we know what that something is, we'll let you know, which will probably be about recording time. So anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. This has been episode number 430 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8 pm 
Central Time plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine oh nine LHS show. That's one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. (laughs) 